Hello, Fight Fans. Fitz Nation Podcast back with you. These are some of the most in-depth and unique UFC interviews out there. Hope you'll give the show a rating, a review, maybe even subscribe, would you? Please find me on social media as well. I'm at TV on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. I'm putting out great stuff there. And as a reminder, the full interviews are exclusively on UFC Fight Pass in video form. There's a link below in the description if you want to check that out. You can also check out the YouTube channel. Time for our interview with Alex Caceres. Hit it, Bisping. Fitz Nation, let's go. I always had to be mega in the zone, ready to go out there on my shield. Be in the question and don't look for the answer because the answer is the end. Think about who I'm fighting for, fight for something greater. At the end of the day, you got to believe in yourself. It's time for the Fitz Nation podcast with your host, Brendan Fitzgerald. It's the new look of the show, Alex. Um, I hope you'll know this is the first time the show is like in HD. Upgraded the stuff, right? And uh, no better guest to have on to kind of relaunch than my man Alex Caceres here. How are you, Alex? I'm doing good, man. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. Uh, Let me fade out this music. Picked out something with a a little Caceres flavor there, a little lo-fi something. All right, so... um, I was going to ask you about this later. You're wearing a t-shirt. What does it say? Vegan strong? Yeah, vegan strong. And I was going to ask you because I saw um, when I was doing some research that you were influenced by the, the by the documentary Forks Over Knives. And that well, kind of got where, you. That's where, that's definitely where, I'm sorry, Um, could you turn your mic up a little bit? Sure. Okay. Can you hear me now? Better? Yeah, I can hear you. Perfect, perfect. Good. Um, well, yeah, that's where it all started. Uh um act, honestly to be like quite honest like my coach now and my training partner Enrico Coco he's been trying to like turn me on to veganism since I was in high school and I used to be like any other guy you know bashing and saying oh that's like for pussies and shit yeah. like that and whatnot and then um obviously training with him more and experiencing his strength, his cardio, his sharpness, his ability, his recovery time and everything starts turning me more on into that and stuff. And then my curiosity starts to become peaked. Me and my wife, we were actually um, looking for better ways to treat ourselves. So we actually started together, started researching better ways to eat plant-based nutrition. And Forks Over Knives was one of the first documentaries I did see about plant-based nutrition and the benefits of that and the real and the re- the realities of it as well yeah that definitely turned like flipped my reality upside down yeah that's the same thing uh i'm a very unlikely plant-based eater i was like you know i, I wasn't like i was meat every meal it wasn't yeah. like i ate meat every day i was like every meal had to have you know low carb sausage and eggs you know, uh, you know, everything, right. It wasn't a salad unless it had bacon in it, all that stuff. And, uh, and then I, we watched forks over knives and I was kind of looking for a way to get healthier too. And I was just like, gosh. And, and even still, I was like, ah, I could never do that full time. Um, yeah. but then you start doing it and you're just like, oh, I feel good. I feel good. And so, you know, a lot of people, in the beginning. it's, it's hard in the beginning. Cause you're just like, what do I eat? You know, like what, what, what's the meal? You know, we, and you're yeah, just like, we've been, well, just we've been eat all the stuff other than the steak, you know? So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we've been conditioned for like for literally like when did you start trying to switch plant based? Like, let me guess, 30 something years into your life, 20 something yeah. years into your life. Yeah, that's 
you're, you're trying to combat like that, like three decades, almost three decades with like two years of knowledge. Yeah. Not to mention all of the, you know, just the society norms that you're fighting mm -hmm. against, especially in our country. And peer um, pressure. Yeah. Yeah. That too. You know, you go back on the road with my crew and they're just like, uh, you're having asparagus and a baked potato and soup and that's it. It's just like, or yeah, dude, like, I'm going to oh, be full after so this. Sorry, you can't eat this. It's like, well, <laughs> yeah. I'm choosing not to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, how are you doing these days, man? It's been a few months since you last fought. Like, uh, what's your day to day? Like what, what's, uh, what's going on in the world of Alex Caceres right now? Well, I just been, you know, running the gym, working out, getting ready. Um, and just staying ready, actually. I've, I've been trying to get to get some of these grappling tournaments in um, that's been going on. Um, but really, i just been chilling, man, just doing the same old, same old, just training every day and uh, just trying to get better. i actually been out of commission for a little bit. I'm back into training now, but I did, like, pull my – pinch my sciatic nerve, so mm. I was out for a little bit. But other than that, um, everything's normal, just getting ready, getting ready to get back in there again. Are you rolling a joint right now? Well, it's not a joint. What is it? It's a blunt. <laughs> Silly me. <laughs> Getting it ready for later? Or are you going to do it on the show? Well, I mean, I'll step outside, but I guess um, if the show's going on that long, why not? If you don't mind. <laughs> no, whatever you need to do, man. That's awesome. Um, so I want to get to your background. There's a lot I want to talk to you about, Alex. Um, All right. Because, because your quotes, like when we meet with you on Fight Week and stuff, and then you kind of give quotes that are different than other fighters. That's why I was like, I have to get you on this show because we're on the same wave in a lot of ways. Yeah, finally, uh, somebody's talking know. about what I talk about. <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? It's not just going to be like weight cuts and fights and, and nothing else and martial arts training. Um, but early, early life for you, Alex, there's not much out there, like on the Wikipedia page and like very common stuff. Like I only have that. You started training at 14 years old. You were getting in street fights, but like, what was your upbringing like with your family? Okay. So, um, yeah, I've had, a. I, I, I would say my upbringing was for me at least, you know, because the only thing that I knew, um, was pretty normal the older i get the more i can see where things was happening in my life or happened in my life that wasn't necessarily normal and i had to learn um different ways or to behave and adapt to different situations so that i can apply myself um, more fully um to life in general but um early life yeah man um i was the runt of the litter so i was the smallest you know kid out of the family um I felt like I had to literally fight for anything that I had, whether it was for education or just for self-defense and anything. Didn't grow up in the most affluent of neighborhoods. My father was uh, uh, a, a drug dealer. So he was a felon and a delinquent. So we did grow up in a in, in not too good of a neighborhood. Um, a lot of things like, like that I would realize now that was going on when I was younger that I couldn't understand like serious things that were going on in my life. Um, like for instance, like what my dad was doing and some things that he would do in front of us or and or tell us and we wouldn't really fully grasp it until now. Things that happened to me in my life. Um, like what? Uh, like when I was younger, uh, it was something, there was something that I actually like not too long ago, I would say like within the last five to six years, like was accepting and getting over. 
was um, almost remembering a repressed memory of being like molested when I was like four years old, you know, wow. um, by one of my father's drug dealer enemies when came over, started robbing our house. When he went to jail, when my father went to jail, there was no man in the house, obviously. So then they started coming and taking advantage of everything. Um, it, that, that made me for a long time, I guess, like grind my teeth when I was sleeping, you know, mm. and, um, I had a very, uh, inadequate ways of looking at myself. I had like a, a huge, um, body dysmorphia image of myself. Like I didn't always think of myself to be strong or pretty or anything of that nature of, or being adequate in any way whatsoever in the physical world. And I think that came from as well, um, growing up, I grew up in a, we grew up in a pretty ghetto neighborhood, but then we moved after my father was in prison, we moved to a more affluent neighborhood, like to a suburb, so a suburban place. And there was more, um, I guess you would say, white people and white Latinos there. And so um, I began to like, not like the way that I look, you know, because that wasn't the social norm that was accepted amongst the other amongst everybody else in the crowd so like i began like like for instance like i used to hate the way my nose looked or my hair looked now i love it i love the way i look and everything yeah. I, um, i'm like damn i'm a pretty guy actually but <laughs> before you know just because other people will tell you and what's socially accepted and what you see all the time on tv who are the heroes who are the good guys and whatnot so there was a lot of lack of confidence and I could say that's where a lot of my need to fight came from um, was the fear of losing things or losing everything or losing myself in the process. And I felt like I literally had to fight in order to keep some grip on my sanity. So I would get into a lot of fights just to almost like, okay, if you're not going to like me, well, I'm going to fuck you up. But in that sense, yeah. um, but uh, so it was pretty... I did, I did have a, and, and not only that, run-ins with um, police officers, you know, when I started to notice the, the, I guess you could say the racial dynamic in that, you know, like it was like, I've had run-in with um, police officers that, and they're white Latinos and, and racism is the worst in the Latino community, you know? Really? Yeah. From white Latinos and black Latinos, like, bro, like that is the worst. It's actually a term in a lot of Latin cultures called mejorando la raza. If you marry white, you're bettering the race. Wow. You know, like it's so they're like racist unto themselves. Yeah. If but it's and it's all color. It's color. So to me, it's 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 never it's not like a cultural thing. It's just a color thing like people. And, and, and it has to do with um, I want I, I, the more uh, uh, doing research. It has to do with like the past. You know, the people that conquered those places were of European descent and really instilled that power into them. And yeah. therefore, when they grew up, they obviously hate themselves and uh, want to attach themselves to the Europe-centric side. For instance, if you go to like Dominican Republic, people are more proud of their European roots rather than their African roots. You know, right. saying like, "Oh no, no, no!" But I'm like one tenth, you know, Irish. You know, like so that make, you know that makes me <laughs> yeah. better than you, like in that sense. So, uh, growing up, even within the own family, within my own family dynamic, it was it was difficult. Like I was already looked and ostracized as being the black sheep of the family or the worst kid because of the color of my skin and the texture of my hair. You were the you were darker than your siblings. Yeah. Are are you? Because Caceres, I would say, is a Hispanic name. Yes, are it's you, a Spanish name. Yeah, so you're half half black, half. Latino? I'm actually Cuban and Dominican. Cuban Dominican. 
Yeah, but like, but then anybody from the Caribbean, you're is already half black, right? So, I am Afro-Cuban and Afro-Dominican. I would consider that. Um, but yeah, I'm completely Latino. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, one hundred percent Latino. I'm not. But, uh, yeah. But, but so, like, how did your upbringing, um, kind of lead to who you became? as that fighter, that person who didn't feel strong enough, that person who had to prove a point? Well, um, I can honestly say, man, I, I have a weird way of looking at things. Like, it's- Is there um, any chance, Alex, is there any chance you could tilt up your camera just a little? Okay, Like that would be uh -huh. great. Okay, there you go, better? There we go, there we go. Yeah, I was okay. getting like your you know nose and mouth and that's it. Okay, go ahead, you look great. Anyways, yeah, man, um, I, I, I just had a weird way of looking at things when I was coming up, man. A lot of people, they would take a lot of their struggles and trials and tribulations and either they get weakened or defeated by it or it would mold them into something else. But I honestly don't think it was my upbringing that, that um, formed, that made me into the fighter that I was today. Definitely my environment and my surroundings had a big part to play in it. But for the most part, I feel like it's the way that I reacted to the situations, the way that I reacted internally. How did I really think of the situations? Um, like an example would be, I remember one time I got into a fight and my father was parked in a car watching the whole fight play out. He saw me get into a fight with his kid. Now, before the fight happens, this is what my father doesn't know or anything. The kid threatened me with a knife. So um, when we got into a fight, I ended up taking um, the advantage of him, started beating him up. And then when he was on the floor, I continually to like hurt him. Like it, it wasn't like, like I wasn't stomping on his head, but I was kicking him in the stomach. I was like wrenching his arm. I was like causing him pain in, in that sense. And my father like was kind of like scared. Like, why was I doing it that way? Why did I continue when I knew I had the guy beat? Why did I do that? And well, the thing is I told him like, cause I was scared and I didn't want to fight him again. So I wanted to win that fight and all the other fights that might come after that. So I had to hurt him in a way to completely deter him from ever trying to mess with me or attack me again or threaten me in such a way again. But it wasn't out of malice and it wasn't because I enjoy inflicting pain, but I just didn't want to get involved in that situation again. And I knew that if I didn't do that, he probably might be motivated to try and come back and get revenge or do something like that. But I knew if I hurt him in such a way he would probably be deterred next time from ever doing such a thing like that to me or anybody else. But it went against like who you thought you were. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, because that's not like the martial artist way is not to like really inflict the pain and, and hurt somebody. And you are very into the, the whole martial arts lifestyle. Is that, you know, correct to say? Yeah. Yeah. One second. I'm kind of like in the dark. <laughs> But um, anything, anything goes on this show. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but um, I, I honestly don't think that's not that's not true. I think the martial arts way is to bring to bring back peace to the situation. Right. And sometimes to bring back peace into the situation, you have to be kind of damaged. You have to really break some people. I mean, Bruce Lee said it the best. You know, he says when you're ready, prepared for a fight. You know, you got to be prepared to strike the opponent and you got to be prepared to be struck by your opponent. Let him draw your blood and I mean, you draw his blood, let him let him break your bone and then you take his life. So you have to be committed and you have to be ready to take that um, to the furthest extent.
there was a quote that um a little saying that somebody says i forgot who said it but when you are not capable of extreme violence you're not peaceful you're harmless there's a there's a strong distinction between the two yeah that's like real stuff that's like gets yeah. into the real kind of yin and yang of it all so when we're talking about martial arts you know arts of the martial aspect of the body you know we're like it, anything is an art there, there is no there is no dying there is no um being born either the energy is the same you're not you're not changing anything but if you want to continue your life and you have the will to live then you have to be prepared to go to the extent that might take somebody else's life or you'll be subjugated to that very um act of violence yourself yeah you said this um you said this earlier when you were talking about your upbringing and how you didn't feel adequate in the physical world i always find it fascinating when we start talking about the physical world because that means that you're in tune with the non-physical world and not many people kind of um recognize that to be a factor i'm in, i'm with it um, yeah. but like how when did you learn that like did you know that as a kid or is that something now you look back on and you just go, oh, in the physical world of matter, I felt this way, but there was more to it. Um, no, I guess like I guess like that, like I said, like when I was a kid, I guess that's how I kind of always looked at it. I didn't have the names and the terminology, to, I guess, to label them correctly um, or the, the the best way. But I've always there, there was always another world that I was in in my head the way that i looked at things the way that seemed to be a, tr a more true reality a more of a blend of uh, of a metaphysical and physical world like things like for instance like the way things should be and then there's the way that things are in the actual physical world when we're physically tied up in the actions that we're doing and performing so i've always seen things like i like it's it's like i've always wondered things like like for instance when i was a kid i used to wonder why um school was the way that it was you know i felt like we could develop more humans if we if we played towards every child's strengths versus trying to strengthen their weaknesses which is not bad it's always good to try and strengthen your weaknesses but when we're looking to prepare these children for careers and for adult life then we should want to play for play to the strengths that they're going to perform in life in general, what they're going to do for the rest of their life. Not everybody's going to be a mathematician or uh, a language arts major or anything like that. So we have to prepare them for what they're going to be good at. Some people are honestly going to be good at just breaking rocks, but there's jobs for that. And we got to accentuate all that in them versus then thinking versus like, uh, how would you say, oh, this guy is only going to be good for breaking rocks. So let's just um, frustrate him with a whole bunch of math work or a whole bunch of social studies and shit like that. And then he's going to give up on life in general. Right. And when did you realize that? Like you were in school realizing that? Like, yeah, like uh, I would say around middle school. Yeah. And so how did that affect how what you wanted to then do? I honestly gave up on the academics um, pr pr um, pursuits in school and I just focused on the things that I liked. I went, I took all the courses that I wanted to take and I never, and I never took them with expectations of trying to get better grades or trying to get an A or anything. I just took them just to try and learn. That's honest. That's the way I looked at it. I'm like, why does it matter if I have a degree or if I get a grade or why do I got to show my work if I know the answer, if I can get to the answer in a different way or if I know how to do it? Or if I study it on my own and I find it's easier to read the book at home than it is to read it inside class, why not just go home and do it? Yeah. Uh, but I was interested in 
attaining knowledge. I was not interested in getting good grades or passing. I, I could care less about that. I just knew that if I had it in here, that at the end of the day, whether I had a degree or not, they, they couldn't take m my knowledge away from me. Where do you think you got your life perspective at such a young age? Most kids don't realize that. Most kids don't acknowledge the physical world and the spiritual world, and especially not kids from bad neighborhoods that you know don't have supportive parents in terms of goals and education and all that other stuff. Where did that come from for you? Um, I don't. I don't know um, if I can tell you now, like sometimes I'll get into conversations or if I'm doing interviews and sometimes it seems like I'm speaking from like a higher dimension, you know, like I honestly don't know where it comes from. It's just, I, I open my, I leave myself open and I don't have expectations of myself. I just try to do the best that I possibly can and leave my, and, and, and kind of like, I, I'm, I'm a big observer. I was a very quiet kid and I'll let things kind of play out. I would play into them, but I would, I, I wouldn't try and control the situation at all and i guess that's where i was able to see things unravel for themselves um when i when i would get into fights in school even in elementary school i always thought i always thought in a very like i guess you could say in an honorable way i would get into fights a lot because i would see kids picking on other kids or stuff like that and i would jump in to def you know like i didn't like to see that happen so um I, I just had different reasons of doing things and I can't tell you where exactly it came from. I did watch a lot of Bruce Lee growing up My because when I was six years old, I got into my first fight and my father started showing me Bruce Lee movies. And so I did listen to a lot of his philosophies and a lot of those were instilled into me when I was very young. So maybe, maybe that um, uh, had a big part to play in it. But I do know I always had a weird way of looking at things. Yeah. Yeah, no, I just find it fascinating, the perspective of a kid. Like... I remember not loving math like in high school, but I still didn't even put together. I guess I kind of knew then. I was just like, I want to be on TV talking about sports. I'm not going to have to know calculus. So yeah. it didn't really like totally drive me nuts. But at the same time, like my parents expected me to get good grades. And so I would feel bad when I got a C in pre-calculus. And I'm just like, I don't care. But like, I feel bad, you know, and I didn't have that yeah. perspective of just like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't and matter. That's, and that's living in a life of expectation. When we live right. in a life of expectation and we don't meet those expectations, whether they're from ourselves or others, then we start to feel bad in a social way. And it shouldn't even matter. Like, um, on like, yeah, all that stuff shouldn't even matter. Like, and that's one thing that I felt I, I'm happy for myself is that I didn't give importance to things like that. Yeah, I didn't give importance to the gratification from other people. I didn't like, oh, like, oh, they're going to like me if I do this this way or if I do that that way. I didn't do that. Like, um, look, I'm a black Latino. I grew up in a in, in, in a pretty ghetto neighborhood when I was younger. Um, er, all fingers should point to me being like more of a like having more of a hood personality or having more of an urban personality, even the way that I speak. But um, I like classic rock. I like bluegrass. I like country and bayou music a lot in. Um, a lot of blues and lo lots of different styles. And though even the, and I'm just not into that kind of shit. To be honest with you, to me, it's pointless. It's like you're only showing off for other people. I don't believe in jumping people. I don't believe in that's tough. I don't believe in that's hood at all because I don't, I don't, I, I think that's a coward's thing to do. And I don't ever want to live that way. I don't want to have to like get in numbers and hurt somebody. Like that never sat well with me. That will never sit well with me. Um, I would never use weapons against somebody that's unarmed or weaker than me because that's, 
once again, you know, I look at fighting as being something honorable, being something true, being as an, uh, an art of self-expression that is also an art of communication with one another. Yeah, that's awesome, man. We got to listen to some tunes as well. Country, <laughs> blue, all that stuff. Classic rock. So, but then you start training as like a teenager. And then like, at what point did you think it could be a career fighting? Oh, once I started wrestling in high school, rest, yeah. And once I started training mixed martial arts around the same year, I already knew this is what I wanted to do. Were you a fan of the UFC already? Uh, I didn't even know the UFC existed. Honestly, um, yeah. I was a fan of like uh wrestling, of oh pro of, wrestling for wrestling. Yeah, so I, that, honestly, that's what I wanted to do first. You know, okay. my favorite wrestlers were the Hardy Boys. I wanted to get in there and do some WWE or WWF. And I wanted, I was eating Chef Boyardee every day, trying to gain weight and shit. And like, I wanted to do that. But then when I was training, um, I did some amateur kickboxing fights. And then um, that's when I met up with Level Martinez at one of the gyms. And he introduced me into the underground street fighting league. And then I started doing that. And I'm like, oh, man, this is like where it's at. This is what I kind of want to do. I like this kind of stuff. And then um, I started fighting professionally, mixed martial arts. And I was doing local shows and I was trying to actually get into the WEC. And that's when my brother came out of nowhere after my the, the, the last fight I won. He's like, hey, man, they're having UFC tryouts for the Ultimate Fighter show. We should go up and try it out. And we drove up to North Carolina and just tried out. And that's when I first learned about the UFC and then started getting into it and got on the show. Yeah. So um, I had thought that maybe you would wrestle uh, in a figurative sense to with like the because i know of your personality of like like you just said you don't want to like hurt somebody who's you know you don't feel believe in the violence of of kind of life and in the you know the the dirty corners of life i would have thought maybe it would have taken you a bit to come around on the idea of fighting for a living but it was like it seems like it was kind of instilled in you as like this is the perfect career path for me yeah and um like um, just to clarify like yeah, I don't like hurting people for no reason. Right. That's that's very much true. But if we are agreed to the fight, like if there's another professional and I, or if you're trying to hurt me, it's not that I like to do it. And it's not that I enjoy doing it when I'm doing it. It's that I just have no bias in doing it. Like I just know it's something that is happening and I'm not necessarily doing it um because it wouldn't necessarily happen if you weren't involved so the fact that you're involved you're helping me do this and you're also doing it with me there is no attachment to it i do enjoy doing it at the moment but there is no attachment to it i don't enjoy hurting people for no reason i don't want to be a bully and i don't want to be an ostracizer and i don't want to be an oppressor but i will enjoy crushing people that deserve it for sure <laughs> and anybody who steps in there deserves it because they're going to try to hurt you that and they agreed to it so it's not yeah. it's, it's not so much that they that would one second rusty hey <laughs> it's not so much that they deserve it but the fact that they're that good to meet me there at that level then yeah we both deserve a good fight so let's bring the best out of each other yeah and you smile during the fights but last time we talked during your fighter meeting you were kind of like uh making the point like yeah but don't mistake, you know, my kindness or my smiles. Like, I think you said, I ain't no bitch. 
No, I said, um, <laughs> and I was just like, that's badass. That's, that's hardcore. I don't know if I said that I was, what I was saying is that it's not a, it's not a smile of like, Oh, I'm just happy to be here. It's I'm enjoying what I do. And what I'm doing right now is trying to put you away. And so it's like, you, it's not like a smile, like, Oh, I'm just enjoying what I do. And I'm happy to be here. How like it may look, I guess. Um, like I'm like, I am having a good time, but it's like, I'm enjoying the, the intensity of it. I'm enjoying the actual fight of it. Like, it's kind of like, how would you say, um, the same enjoyment, I guess, you know, a tiger would have, if it sees a prey, you know, that's easy to get that's right in front of them. That's not going to run. That's going to, you know, I don't know, something like that. It's, uh, the thrill of the thrill of the battle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sometimes one of my go-to questions, because when I try to get inside somebody's head that I'm interviewing, you can find out a lot about where they were at by asking them what they expected. So sometimes I would say, all right, you're going to go be a pro fighter or you're jumping into this MMA world. What did you expect it to be like? But you just told me you're not into the expectations thing. But did you have expectations back then of what it would be like to live the life of a fighter? Um. I can't say like they were, uh, I was expecting like, man, it, I, like I, cause I, I honestly do not have expectations like that about the career or about my life. Um, I do see different outcomes or I do see different roads or paths that I could take. Um, uh, I look at it that way sometimes, but um, what I can say is that the way that it ended up and the way that it is going is nothing that I perceived before, but I wasn't necessarily expecting it to be some type of way. Yeah. But then as you get into it, like, what do you remember thinking about when you're like starting to be this fighter or when you're like going on the ultimate fighter and it becomes a bigger thing than it was? Yeah. Um, so definitely um, being on, well, like, honestly, man, when I was on the ultimate fighter, man, it was, just, I was going just day to day. I'm like, that's how I feel like, like I, in hindsight, when I look at it now, I'm like, oh, damn, my life changed a lot. But in the moment, I'm not really thinking about it at all. I'm just it, to me, I was just being myself. Like I didn't honestly, I mean, there was days in the house where I didn't even I, I, I just forget the cameras are there. Like that's that was I mean, that was me unadulterated. Like that was who I am. That's that's what I do all the fucking time. You know, like that's how I joke around and everything. So I don't know. It just. It was cool. It was definitely an experience, but being there, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like, oh man, it's something crazy going on. You know, like it, whether it happens in a small room or on a big stage, honestly, it's, it's just as intense. Yeah. What are some of the lessons? Because, um, something where we can jive is certainly like the learning part of it <laughs> and that we, you know, that we hated math. Uh, if I'll assume that we hate math, but like, it's weird. It, it is weird. It took me a long time into my thirties to come around on being like, no, I really do love learning. I just didn't like memorizing European history dates and pre-calculus, you know, but I, I do love the learning. Just find me the avenue where I want to learn. What do you remember uh, are some of the bigger lessons you've learned throughout your career? Like when to take each step in your career, you kind of got to learn something new and have a different perspective. You remember something earlier in your UFC career where you 
learned something and, and it's kind of stuck with you and incorporated into how you live your life? Um, is, I can't say specifically, but um, um, just, just observing and listening to George St. Pierre on the show. And then even after the show, I, I went and trained with him for about like six to eight months in Canada. Um, and just like, and hanging out with them, he took me along and, 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 and we hung out and did a lot of different things and whatnot. And just talking in general, just observing the way that he carried himself and the way that he did things, the way he talked about it. A lot of those, th a lot of those lessons um, got stuck with me. And I felt like it made me, it definitely made me take my career a lot more professionally and seriously. And I was a little bit more adamant about achieving more. And then I can also say too, when I was in Arizona, um, seeing the work ethic and the drive that Benson Henderson have and being able to train alongside with him, a lot of the, the way that he carries himself was also lessons that I instilled in myself, the discipline that he had and the work ethic that, and the work ethic that he had. But one thing that will stick with me, and I apply it generally now, when George St. Pierre was telling us, like when we get into a fight, and I don't just use it just for fights, I use it for whatever in life in general, um, you got to know how good you are. And you gotta you gotta express how good you are. You can't be shy about showing how good you are at a thing. He's like, when I get inside there, you know, I just don't get inside there and stay protected and get stiff. No, um, I get inside there and when I move, he's like, look how I move. Look at the way I move. I'm good. I move smooth. I'm the champion. This is how a champion moves, right? He, he's like, he has that thought process in his head. So instilling that. So like when I'm doing something, I'm not trying to do something. I'm not trying to practice just practice to be perfect. I'm trying to perfectly practice to be perfect. You know. So I guess that's a good lesson that instilled in, into me. Did you think that, was there a part of you that was holding back where you weren't showing how good you are? Was that kind of a slap in the face? Like, yeah, like I have these doubts in the back of my head and I need to get those out. Fuck yeah, there still is. There still is in so many different aspects of my life and even and still even in martial arts and, there, and everybody is. Everybody is. That's the honest truth. We only use less than 10% of our brain. We use less than 10% of our muscle fibers and, you know, um, our ability it, physically at all. So we're, we're not even scratching the surface of what we're capable of. When we get tired, when our body's dead tired, you know, we're usually only at 40% of our energy levels. We, we still have a, a pool of 60 that we can still dig deep in. It's just our minds are weak sometimes if we don't um, exercise it to be strong. So I think there's still a lot of things that I am hiding that I am afraid to show because I'm afraid of shining that brightly. You know, um, I forgot who says it, but it's not that we are incapable that we, that, that we fear is that we, we're scared of the power that we, that we actually have, you know, we're scared yeah. of how we're going to be looked as, you know, we're scared of how we're going to make other people feel by showing off that greatly. You know, but we're not doing it for anybody else. We're doing it for ourselves. But in fact, we have to realize that when we do things that greatly, when we do show ourselves that greatly, we might make some people feel uncomfortable, but that's where people grow when they're uncomfortable. And at the same time, we also give them permission to shine greatly as well. Yeah. Did you deal with that? Um, just curious when you started switching how you're eating, because like you said, you'd be a little ostracized with some of your friends and all that stuff. And it's like you did it to better your health. It's, it's almost that same kind of thing. Like I'm trying to really improve and making maybe some other people uncomfortable. Did you feel that at all? Of course. I feel like with the, the way I live my life, the way that I talk, the way that I choose to be, uh, it makes a lot of people feel uncomfortable. Like, oh man, um, how can you be a fighter if you don't watch fights? Like, and I'm like, I just don't watch fights. I don't want to watch fights and I don't watch tape on people. 
And so, like, I don't study fights. I don't make game plans and stuff like that. Honestly, I live my life day to day. And when they call me for their fight, I train really hard. I Like I do every day, I still train. And then I just cut a little weight before the fight. And then I fight. And that's what I do, honestly. So it's just, and but a lot, and Matt, that makes a lot of people feel uncomfortable. And, you know, like, oh, would well, you never be a champ? And like, maybe, maybe I won't. Maybe I will. Who knows? But, you know, I, you know, I broke into the top 15 that way. Um, maybe I might go further. Maybe I won't. But um, it's the way that I fucking want to do it. Yeah. There, like, there's, like, I don't have to, I don't have to have an excuse for you. You know, what, why does it matter? It's my life. It is not, I'm not paying your bills. You know what I'm saying? I'm not raising your kids. You know, I'm doing whatever the fuck I want to do in that sense. And I'm not hurting anybody doing it. So, um, like, like finally trying to come to terms with that, that was a very difficult thing to do throughout my life and career. Um, just not giving a fuck about what other people think, you know, like we say the critics don't bother us, but they actually do. That's why we get into arguments with them online and, and we get involved in social media, um, like scandals and bullshit like that. Honestly, I don't do that no more because I just honestly do not care for people that are not necessarily involved in my life. And even if you are, if I'm not harming you in any way, then I really don't give a fuck either. What's the magic in figuring out how to not give a fuck? Man, like, uh, it's hard. It's a, it's, it's, it's like a, it's, it's, it's you, it's, it's payment that's due every day. You got to do it every day. You got to be on that shit every day because you will, get that you you will let some shit get to you um i read a really good quote you just just gotta try and have a small little room inside of yourself where you can go in and that's always quiet nothing can ever get to you in there you just gotta remember you feeling some type of way is you reacting and responding to whatever out in um, input you're getting from somebody's output and you don't have to respond and or give them anything and just remember like, like, but who are they at that sense? You know, like at the end of the day. Yeah. And are you doing anything to harm them? And if you're not, then I'm sorry, you have nothing to complain about. Most of it is an issue on somebody else that you almost try to figure out, you know, it's a, it it gets thrust upon you and it's just like, no, that's their issue. They need to figure it out. I'm not going to change my ways if I'm not doing anything. But don't even go that far. Yeah just i don't care right like like honestly like like because like i i yeah i I, i've done it that route too like man that's something that they're dealing with but then i'll end up talking about it yes and then i end up dealing with their issue anyway that happens a lot yeah that's their issue i don't care but then you end up talking about it with for the next 20 minutes or thinking about it or making it part of your and it does rather i would rather like just ignore you and have you think I'm rude and not respond to you then deal with your shit yeah because what does that do at the end of the fucking day right you know what I'm saying like 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 what does the guy cutting you off at the street and pissing you off for the rest of the day do for you like fuck else and I still get mad sometimes when that shit happens yeah you know but it's yeah. just it's a yeah, constant man. battle but if you have it up here to like divorce well, if yourself you got, from if you it, got some of this and then, and it, it fucking helps too <laughs> yeah that's right remember cat williams get that fuck it in your system um <laughs> there you go and uh so back to the ufc career though because it's been a long one like you fought 25 26 times in the ufc at this point um yeah yeah 
Does that surprise you when I say that? Is that more? I think more than that already. Oh yeah, yeah. in the in the UFC, yeah, yeah. I have you in the UFC at at twenty six. Yeah, twenty seven. I think I have you at fourteen eleven with a no contest. Probably because of what you're doing right now on the other side of the screen. That was yeah, back in Japan. (laughs) Yeah, but um, are you somebody who thinks about your past? In, in, in that regard, not to dwell on it, not to negatively think about it. Uh, like, I wish this would have happened. I wish this would have happened. But how often do you like think about a certain moment in your UFC career or something like that that sticks with you? Whether it's a lesson that's given to you or just something that kind of maybe changed to you or a little bit. I, when I, I, when I, I sometimes just, uh, just look at the, when I look at the past, I kind of just like replay it and just like, oh man, like, I don't know. It to me, it's pretty cool. You know, I was able to do a lot of stuff that I was able to do. Um, I don't necessarily have any regrets. Um, I can't say that I um, never used to either. You know, uh, but ever but since you know, I guess it just feels like a good journey so far. And I'm continuing. I don't feel uh, old or in bad in a bad way. So. I just look at it day to day, and when I get to the, every event, it just feels like a deja vu. Like I never really think about it until I get there, and then I start remembering stuff. And sometimes I reminisce, like during fight week. But yeah, honestly, I think more about you know walking the dogs, rolling up the smoke, you know, <laughs> some housework that I'm going to be doing every day, training yeah. that I'm doing in the moment. Um, no, I don't. I try. I don't. I don't sit too much thinking back. Right. It's not the time to reflect. And yeah, I do think Um, about like what I want to do in the future, um, what I want to try and achieve in the future with my career, too. Yeah. Things that I want to aspire to. That's probably more important. I mean, I I shouldn't say that's probably more important. That's definitely more important. (laughs) It certainly is. Look forward, not back. It's fun to reflect from time to time, certainly is, especially if you've accomplished a lot in your career, which Alex Caceres has. But what about what he wants to achieve in the future? That rounds out the interview. We went about 20 more minutes. If you want to watch it, you can only watch it on UFC Fight Pass. We also talk more about the limitless mindset. He talked earlier in the interview about not having expectations living without expectations is a healthy thing we also talk about his gym zen jujitsu what he's learned owning a business running a business teaching life perspective in addition to martial arts concepts and the way that he would give advice on how to live a better life and how to view other people in the world that you interact with Again, that's on UFC Fight Pass, but I thank you for listening to this edition of Fitz Nation. Um, The show in video form, you can check it out on YouTube as well, this same version. Um, HD now, as I said at the top of the show. Uh, Invested in some new software, and I want to make the show bigger and better. I want to make it look better. I want to make it sound better. I want to continue with these very interesting guests. I've already had great guests on the show, Bisping, Dom Cruz... Uh, Anthony Smith, Calvin Cater, you know, like a lot of high profile people have been on the show. But I also take pride in the fact that, you know, we've had Adrian Yanez on the show and Davey Grant and, you know, all these other fighters that are not known as big stars in the fight game, but 
They all have great stories. Alex Caceres is certainly one of them. So I hope you enjoyed this program. I'm also thinking of starting to do live streaming on my YouTube channel, and I will put the audio of those here on the podcast feed as well. I'm thinking advice to young sports broadcasters that want to get into the business. It's the number one question I get is, I want the dream job that you have. How do I get started? But also just, you know, obviously this has turned into a self-help personal development podcast and I continue reading a lot of books, learning from a lot of people both in the fight game and just that surround me in life and the fact that I'm getting older and learning life lessons as I go and just pass it along, keep paying it forward so that uh, the world can be a better place, albeit just slightly, maybe. And maybe we can uh, start selling some t-shirts and giving to charity and doing all that other fun stuff. Anyways, that's going to wrap it up here on the podcast on this edition with Alex Caceres. Thanks once again. Find me on social media and I will see you very soon.